Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Good morning. How's everybody this morning? Good. Well, like Jamie said, my name is Lindy Pinkson, and I'm one of the pastors here at Antioch. I work primarily with the children and women and families. And so um, love this church, love my job, um, love community. And you know, when you leave town and you get away and you realize this is a rare thing that we have, uh, people that walk alongside us to help us raise our kids and help us um, have better marriages and love Jesus better. And so I'm very thankful um, to be able to be here this morning. Um, you know, I was uh, going to introduce my family and not make them stand up. I don't know if my boys have a picture of us. Uh, and this is at y'all's wedding. This is at Ben and Charlotte's wedding. That's why we're all dressed up. This is Josh to the left. He's 16. This is Joa in the middle, and he's not wearing a um, retro 60s shirt. It just looks that way. This is Joa. He's 14. That's Conan, myself, and this is Jonathan in the front, and he's 10. So um, I'm a mom of boys, and so we have a lot of activity in our house. And um, I always love to see little girls dressed up because I'm like, oh, I wish I had one. But I mean, I'm blessed. I'm blessed beyond. <laughs> yes, yes. Not really. I mean, anyways, we'll move on. So um, I was able to preach this summer on offense and um, how the enemy used offense in our lives to, to kind of bait us. And um, I had, a, I guess, a post-sermon refinement this summer, so I preached on it, and then I had multiple opportunities to walk out what I preached, right? And then this message is on uh, gratitude and thanksgiving, and I've had multiple opportunities uh, the last few weeks to work, walk this out. So um, hopefully um, I will be vulnerable enough to, 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 to bless your spirit and for you to know that we're all in this together. And um, I know many of us came off Thanksgiving and um, I pray that you had a great Thanksgiving. I know some of you were, it was like, this is awesome, great food, great family. And then others may have had a really rough Thanksgiving, um, just unmet expectations and relationships that are hard. I, I prayed with two ladies last week who were going into just kind of intense Thanksgiving dinner situations. And so I know wherever you are, I pray this message um, will find you today. And I pray it's not just a message where you leave going, ah, oh, I feel guilty, I'm not thankful enough. That's not really my heart. My heart is that you leave and you realize that you have a key to unlock miracles and joy and breakthrough in your life. And so I have my key um, keychain up here. I love, um, there's, there's lots of things in scripture I love, but I love all the keys to the kingdom. And Jamie's talked about that this past year several times, but um, this is a key and um, these are my keys. And so obviously this is my car key. It's easy to see. I've actually made my house key, isn't that cute? It's blue with little blue dots. So that I'll know when I go up to my house, I'm not having to go through all my keys, which, which is my house key. And so today, I'm going to give you one of the keys unlocking breakthrough in your life in, in every circumstance you're in. It's scripturally based. And so I, I pray that when you leave today, when you look down, when you, when you go into hard things, you'll think, I have a key. Um, maybe it's a rusty key. Maybe you haven't used it a lot. Maybe you're real familiar with the key of gratitude and thanksgiving. But wherever you're at, I pray that even when you look at your keychain, God will remind you to be thankful and grateful. So... We're going to start, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to start, and we're going to talk about the problem of why we have ingratitude, why we struggle with having a thankful life, the solution, some fruit in our life that we'll see when we live lives of gratitude, and then I'm going to give you some things to practice. Y'all like to practice? Yay! Okay, I'm going to pray. Jesus, we love you. 
And we just thank you for this morning. We thank you that you're going to meet us exactly where we're at. Holy Spirit, we have your way in us. I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to fall on us this morning. I pray that you open our eyes and ears to see what you're saying, what you're doing. We bind up distraction and release the ability just to press into you this morning and hear what you have for us. I pray for God encounter with everyone in this room this morning. Amen. Okay, we're going to start with the beginning, and literally at the beginning, in Genesis. And so if you turn your Bibles to Genesis 3, we're going to talk about when this problem, I'm going to put my keys over here, of ingratitude began. And unfortunately, it's been around for a while. We're going to talk about the fall. You can follow in your Bibles, or you can follow behind me. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that's when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So if you can catch the scene, God has just made all this awesome creation. He's made the sky. He's made the clouds, the moons, the stars, the oceans, the sea animals, the insects. And then he creates man and woman and it says, we're going to create them in our image. The Trinity created Adam and Eve. And the enemy, he's wanting to come in on God's plan. He sees the kind of relationship they have. He's like, this is a different, this isn't, this is a different kind of relationship that the Father has with these, with these beings he's created. And it's beautiful and it's perfect and I want to mess it up. And so he proceeds to mess it up. So his first chance to mess up God's creation. And what does he use? What was his bait? And it was a lie he gave Eve. He spoke it to her, and she started thinking about it, and she, she was hooked. And the lie was that he was, he was not good. He was withholding good from Eve. Now, that was a lie, and the fruit that, it, that manifested was entitlement, discontent, not being grateful for all that was around her, not being thankful before we move on and talk about how we do the same thing, how we are like Eve, let's talk about the fruit. You know, if you know me well, you know I love fruit to root analogies. I love because it's so practical, it's so scriptural, that when we have good fruit, that we have good roots in our soil. And when ugly fruit manifests in our lives, there is ugly root systems. And what many times we want to do is we just want to pick the fruit off and go, oh, I'm not going to be angry anymore. I'm not going to be angry anymore. I'm not going to be angry anymore. And we don't deal with the root. And what happens? Do we get angry again? Yes. Lust, um, entitlement, um, jealousy, whatever you, whatever you struggle with. And the idea here is that we have to go down and we have to ask the Lord, what is the root? Why am I manifesting this fruit? Last week, when all the freeze came, um, a lot of our flowers got frozen. And so our cannas got frozen. And if you cut them off at the ground, they'll come back the next year. So I asked one of my boys to go out and cut them down to the ground. And um, he was cutting for a while. And then I think he just was like, hey, it's easier. Just pull them up. So he started pulling them up by the roots. And I was like, no, 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 no. 
pull the weeds up by the roots. We don't pull these up by the roots because then they won't bring fresh flowers next spring, right? And the idea is easy, but how many of you ever have gardened and you pull that root up? And it's just a great feeling. It's just like, yes, you know you got it. There's like a little hole there, right? Well, that's our hearts. We want to go town and find the roots of things and pull them up and then fill that hole with God's revelation. And so then when we fertilize it, what grows? Beautiful fruit, right? So the lie, the lie that Eve believed And the root of this problem was the belief that God is not good. And this is the cornerstone of the enemy's movement, guys, is that God withholds good from his children, that at his core is not goodness, especially towards me. I'm going to say that one more time because I want you to really think about this, that the root is the belief that God is not good. It's the cornerstone of the enemy's movement, that God withholds good from his children, that at his core is not goodness, especially towards me. So Eve, her thoughts were, God's holding out on me. He's holding out wisdom. He's holding out knowledge. He's holding out pleasure because this apple, obviously, you know, there was other apple trees, right, in the garden, but this apple, this specific one looks so good. And he's holding, he's saying no to me. He's holding out. And so she took a bite and we do the same. Every time we take a bite, it really represents our deep down belief that he's withholding something good from me, that what he gives me is not enough. Or that I'm entitled to more, a more sensitive husband, more obedient children, a more understanding boss, a better paycheck, a bigger house, uh, um, no health problems because I take care of myself and she doesn't take care of herself and she has no health problems and I take care of myself and I have health problems. I mean, our culture is infested with entitlement. It's not just one generation. You know, the millennials, they get blamed with a lot of stuff and y'all aren't just, that generation is not only entitled, we all are. We all take a bite of that you are not for me, down deep, that you're not, you're not trustworthy, and therefore I have to take over. And when we take over, things don't go well. When we take over, it's really hard to be grateful. So I've struggled some with this message. Um, just to be vulnerable with you, Jamie asked me to preach on, on gratitude and thanksgiving, and I actually I knew pretty quickly that I was supposed to do it. And then God started doing some really hard things in my life. It started at a talk that Anda Brown gave um, at a mothering class we have here. Mother gathering, it's not really a class. And God started stirring some stuff. And I was like, ooh, that didn't, what's that? What's, that just, Lord. And then I know when the Lord's trying to gently like put things on my heart. So I kind of walked it out in some of my times with him and he was kind of showing me um, some pride you know, entitlement areas in my parenting surfaced, how much I care what people think of me and my family. Um, he gently began pulling back the layers, kind of like an onion. You know, he just keeps pulling and there's another layer and you're like, is there any more? And there's another layer. And then even in that process, some hard circumstances came up. And so I was like, well, I've got to preach on gratitude and Thanksgiving in a couple weeks. Uh, you're right. I have to go here. I'm not standing before you going to live a hypocritical life saying, I haven't had some hard things and you haven't had some hard things. But the answer to many of our breakthroughs are when we just stop and ask the Lord to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation on what we can be thankful for in those hard circumstances. And his presence has been swirling in every hard thing. I saw it when I opened my eyes um, to what he's doing. And if you know me very well, this is one of my life messages. I love 
knowing that God can trump any circumstance and situation that you are in. And whether it's one that the enemy, like Job, that the Lord allowed to happen, hard circumstances in Job's life, if it's that, or if it's outright sin that you've done and now you're living out the consequence, or if it's because of we live in a broken world, no matter what kind of reason you're in your circumstance, God says in Romans 8, 28, and, and Grain talked about it last week, that he can make good come out of every situation for those who love him are called according to his purpose. Every situation. So there is no hopelessness. So when I'm walking in hopelessness, I've got to ground myself in gratitude and thankfulness and ask the Lord to give me new eyes to see because he can trump any situation. He will crush the enemy's head with his heel. And I have authority in that. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. All right. Are y'all ready? So we're going to talk about the solution. What's, we know the problem in gratitude, entitlement, discontentment. And the word we're going to use today is eucharisto. It's a Greek word that means thanksgiving. And it's seen about 37 times in the New Testament. Many times when you see the word thanksgiving, that's the word you're going to see. It means to be thankful, to be grateful, to give thanks. And Voss came in her book, A Thousand Reasons, describes her, to, her, she's on a journey to try to find joy in everyday life. And she came across this word, eucharisto. And when she started studying it, she realized it derives its roots from the word kara, which means joy. And so her conclusion was that true Kara joy is only found at the table of Eucharistio, which is Thanksgiving. They're married. Thanksgiving and joy. And so Eucharistio is a key that unlocks prayers and miracles and joy in our lives. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. So what does it actually do? So when I say I'm going to live a life of gratitude and thanksgiving, what does, what does that mean? Well, for one, it gives me power and authority. The enemy hates nothing more than when you have a hard circumstance and you rise above your circumstance to see what he's doing and you're thankful because God is always at work among us. He always is. And many times it's our perspective. You know, even as I was getting ready for this message, I had a picture and I was surrounded like a stadium. Really, I was really little and the walls are really high and those are my circumstances. And the more I began to praise and worship, I literally was lifted up to see over the circumstances. And that's what happens when in this morning we're doing praise and worship. That's why people love worship because you're, you can't be grumpy in a bad mood and be worshiping the Lord at the same time. The two can't exist together. So when we surround ourselves with worshiping the Lord and praising Him and saying, you know how to fight my battles. It's through prayer and thanksgiving. Worship, it is. There's no way around it. And I, I mean, I am a bearer of good news this morning. There is, this is the way. It's thanksgiving and gratitude. Graham Cook says, Every revelation of God maintains its authority and power through rejoicing and thanksgiving. Every time God shows you something about himself, it's supposed to lead you into a deeper place of worship, rejoicing, and thanksgiving. I love Graham Cook. He loves to focus on this kind of stuff, have the kindness of the, of the Lord, how good God is. And I just say this, I, I speak this with authority. This really happens when God gives you a little tug, a new revelation. What that means is you're hearing a message. Maybe this morning or something in worship. Someone says something to you. And there's something in your spirit that's like, whoa, I didn't, I never thought about that about the Lord. I didn't know that about his nature. Is that really true? And you have a new revelation of him, something that, that draws you to him. And what happens is when you have that revelation, and even if it's a little conviction revelation. Does anybody have those? Not condemnation. Condemnation says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you continually struggle with, 
you know, you get a revelation from God and it's like you're a loser, you can't do anything, you're alive, God has no plan for you, then that is not the Lord's voice. Now, if the Lord's voice is, Lindy, I love you, and this is an area, you got to work it out, sister. I mean, you, you got you to go there. And this is what my journey the last three weeks has been on, right? You got to go there. But what happens is when I join God with that revelation and I give thanksgiving for the revelation versus going, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I mean, you know, then what happens is I have power and authority is released in my life. So an example, this whole entitlement thing the Lord has been bringing up to my life. A, a few weeks ago, I heard um, a song I hadn't heard in years. I'm not playing out years. Well, maybe a couple years. Delirious, Obsession. I know we got some Delirious fans in the crowd. Yes. It's one of my favorite worship songs. It was randomly, I heard it at Deanne Reynolds' house. It was kind of a random thing. I was like, well, I haven't heard that song in years. Well, the Lord was sweet as mercy because he knew he wanted, I mean, I just believe this is about the Lord. He wanted to use that song for me to have breakthrough a few days later. And so a few days later, I'm, I'm listening to that song and this whole entitlement thing came up again. And I really was like, Lord, I don't want to be a person that has entitlement issues. Lord, break it. And something that I use at my friend, Kathy Harris, she was here a few weeks ago. She spoke at the discipleship school. When she's trying to break something in her life, she says, I don't want you. I don't need you. You're not my friend and I break all ties with you. And so I was on my bed and I was like, Lord, I don't want entitlement. I don't need you entitlement. I don't want to be your friend. I break all ties with you. And I was going for it. And I was something broke in the spirit. And a few days later, some circumstances happened were directly resulted to that. That like I was able to walk in power and authority because I had give thanksgiving for an area the Lord was just putting his finger on. His kindness leads us to repentance. His kindness. And when we walk in that, and we, and we thank the Lord for your revelation, he, we, we release power and authority. The second thing it does, it prepares the way for breakthrough and miracles. Ann Voskamp also talks about this in her book, how Eucharistio precedes the miracle every time. We see it throughout Scripture, that when we have thanksgiving, we, we see miracles in our life. And many of you are looking for breakthroughs. I mean, there's things I'm still knocking at. I'll be the persistent widow if you know me well. <laughs> I keep knocking, right? And there's things I'm still knocking at. I'm still knocking at. But I know I'm believing that my breakthrough is going to happen. You know, Joyce Myers talks about drive-through breakthrough and how we, we want to go through the drive-through and be like, okay, I want a breakthrough in this and this, and I want it in two minutes, and it's to be really exactly the way I want it, right? And we just want to drive through and get the breakthrough. And many times that's not life. Many times that does happen. But many times it is the consistent going to the Lord with it. So we're going to talk about a couple of verses this morning. If you want to turn your Bibles, we're going to see how Jesus believed this. Uh, Mark 8, 1 through 8, you've heard this story before, but we're going to talk about some different miracles that have happened when Thanksgiving precedes it. Okay, Mark 8, 1 through 8. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. And when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told his disciples to distribute them. 
The people ate and were satisfied, and afterward the disciples picked up seven baskets of broken pieces that were left over. This is the miracle of provision. Does anybody need a miracle of provision? There's many levels of provision the Lord wants to provide you. I think many times we think, oh, it's just financial provision, which it is. In our prayer this morning before church, someone was praying, Lord, we ask you to release those who need financial provision, a miracle. And I'm saying yes to that. I'm saying if you need financial provision, look at what you have and give thanksgiving and be grateful and see what God does. If you need emotional stamina, to keep going about that relationship that is really hard in your life and you want to just act like it's not there. I'm not going to deal with it, right? Anybody relate? No one? That God has everything you need to walk out in that relationship. If you're a tired mom with a newborn or or a newborn dad or you have a long work schedule and you are physically, literally just tired and you're a tired season, the Lord has a miracle provision for you. And we see it here. He wants to provide for you, but it's, 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 it's married to gratitude and to thankfulness. Okay, we'll flick in Mark 14. You sw- I'll go over a couple chapters, verse 22 through 25. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it in the new kingdom of God. We see here many miracles. We see the miracle of endurance, of joy. Jesus sitting before his disciples, literally breaking bread again, right? He broke bread. A little bit before to provide. Because you know he always provides, right? Psalms 23, I've been meditating on that. And it says, in the Passion Version, it says, The Lord is my best friend and shepherd. I have more than enough. I have more than enough. And as Jesus is breaking the bread and symbolizing his body that he knew was going to be broken, he knew this was the last, this was his last time with his disciples. And as he takes the wine and says, this is my wine. He, this is my blood that's going to be shed for you. He did it with joy. How did he do that? Because he knew. He trusted the Lord. He had a heart that's thankfulness and gratitude and he gave thanks. And I know it wasn't just a thank you for the bread, right? We don't get all the details in the scripture. How many times have you know, you hate, knew you're going to face something hard and you have a choice? You can do gratitude or you can do victim mentality, entitlement, grumpiness, ingratitude, you name it, right? Jesus had a choice too. He knew he was about to endure the cross. He had seen crucifixions. He knew what it was going to be like, but he still chose to walk it out in joy. It says for the joy set before him. It was set before him and he chose it. And he did it when he gave thanks. The Holy Spirit came and gave him power to be able to do this. He also, I was thinking about this. There's also a miracle of trust. He's trusting these 12 guys who he had poured into for three years. He's been all of his energy pouring into them. And he knew one of them was going to walk away in a few minutes. He knew another one was going to deny him in a couple hours. 
They were all going to leave. John was the only one left at the cross. But yet he's trusting as he's giving thanks. He's saying, God, I know I heard your voice and I'm trusting you with these people that they're going to change the world. And you know that he was probably having some questions. I would have been. I would have been like, did I hear you right? Are you sure? Is it really my time? Maybe we need a couple more years, right? Have you ever done something you knew was the Lord and when it got time for you to let go of it, you're like, hmm, not quite sure. Did I really hear you, right? Right? Anybody in the ministry knows that. Anybody, right? But you know that you know that you know that you heard the Lord. And he did that. And so we see the miracle of joy. We see the miracle of endurance. We see the miracle of trust in Jesus. Paul also talks about this. One of my life verses, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 17. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you're wondering, hmm, what's God's will for me? Rejoice and pray and give thanks in all circumstances. And what that means is not some circumstances, not the circumstances that you like, that are at your timing, all circumstances. And that is hard. That is hard when your circumstances are long-suffering and they don't change overnight. That you keep going and you keep finding things to be thankful about. And you keep asking him to give you spirit of wisdom and revelation on how to walk that out. You know, in my life, I'm always so confused. I don't know why, why he answers prayers different than I think they need to be answered. I mean, I'm like, why does it still amaze me? I'm here. I'm, am I, I'm praying these prayers and he goes, okay, you want these prayers answered that I'm going to make it happen that way. And I'm like, no, 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 Let's go back. I, I thought the options were A, B, and C. And he's like, no, it's D, E, and F. And I'm like, no, no, no. Right? Because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So why am I confused when he uses different paths to get the fruit that I want in my life or the fruit I want in my family's life or the fruit we want in this church's life, right? He probably never does it the way you think it's going to be done. And actually, that's good news. Some of you may be sitting in your chair going, that's a bummer. And sometimes I think that's a bummer too. But when I ground myself in the truth that he's good, and he's kind, and he's for me, and that he has my best interest in mind. Even when he picks us up and moves us from Hawaii, and we move back, and we're like, why, would, why, why did that happen? We thought we were going to be there maybe forever. I have to trust him that, no, he knew that my family needed to be in Texas, not in Hawaii, even though that did not make sense to us at the time. I mean, I could give stories and stories, and you could have stories and stories of times when the Lord does something differently than what you thought. But the root of it coming down, when you can actually have peace, which I'm going to talk about in this next sentence, is when you trust him that he is good and that he has your heart in mind. So there we find in 1 Thessalonians, which is talked about, is the miracle of contentment of being able to be thankful in all circumstances. And Paul says, I found the secret of contentment of being thankful in all circumstances. And this is why he can tell us to be thankful in all circumstances, right? We go on Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, don't be worried or anxious about anything, but in every situation with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We like to leave out the thanksgiving part. We do. Let's just admit it. Have you ever gone five minutes when you're praying and just told God things you're thankful for and never inserted something you need or want, even out of a good heart? It's part of the recipe. 
It's an ingredient. I mean, part of the ingredient for a recipe, I gave a, a example in the first service. I made uh, pumpkin chocolate chip muffins a few weeks ago. They're Joe's favorite. I pull them out of the oven. I mean, the minute I opened the oven, I was like, oh, I forgot the pumpkin pie spice. I could tell because the color was like a real pale pumpkin looking thing, not the rich, dark with spices in it. I mean, Joe was so ate them. We, you know, have three boys right? They downed them. But it was, they were not very tasteful. You know, they did not have a lot of taste. And, um, you know, Thanksgiving's like that. It's a key ingredient for areas of breakthrough that you're wanting in your life. And we can't get around it. It's a commandment. It's not a request. And I love you, but it's a commandment. It's not a maybe or if you really, really, really want breakthrough, or if you're really, really, really spiritual, it's just give thanks in all circumstances, right? And peace, this miracle of peace will come when you live your life of gratitude and thankfulness. The enemy can't stand gratitude, guys. You know, in the world, you know, I love it when the world discovers something about things that we've been walking in, like, oh, gratitude, well, actually, gratitude, yes, we, we are believers as, as believers that gratitude and thankfulness are, are lifestyles we want to live. And the world, the secular world, has grabbed onto this. I mean, secular research shows people who live grateful, who practice gratitude and thankfulness, they are less depressed and happier. I mean, and that's without God. That's just the actual, that's just the world. A recent study I thought was interesting. They took 300 university students. They were all seeking mental health counseling. So they all were in need of counseling. And they took 100 of them. They broke up in three groups. In the first hundred, they said, I want you to write a letter of gratitude to someone that you're thankful for, one for a week, a week for like 12 weeks. They took the second group, and they said, we want you to do the writing exercise of write down all the negative experiences you've had and negative feelings you've had. That's your writing assignment. And then the third group did nothing. They had no writing assignment. Well, as you, can, as you probably know, the group, they just once a week wrote a letter of thankfulness, of gratitude to someone, they were way more um, successful in their counseling. They, they saw much more breakthrough than any of the other groups. And so even the world is seeing this gratitude thing. And so we as believers, we need to, to, to practice this, guys. And it's not easy. It's easy when things are going well. Let's just admit that. When things are Thanksgiving meal, maybe you had an awesome, your, your favorite meal. That, this is Colin's favorite meal of the year is Thanksgiving. And maybe you're sitting there and you're just overwhelmed with Thanksgiving but you know that we know that we're going to have trials in this life. We are. And if we can be grounded in gratefulness, then God is going to show up and we're going to have a beautiful fruit in our life. I'm going to talk about some of that fruit. So one of the things we're going to see is we're going to be aware of the abundance of gifts and benefits and mercies and grace that have been poured into our lives. When you open your eyes, when you ask the Lord to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation on hard circumstances, you will be surprised what you see. Because he is always working around you. Medical issues. My mom, I mean, she had a hard, hard few last years. And we could get so down the dumps. But if we would rise our eyes above the circumstances, we would see what an awesome nurse she had. Oh, I'm so glad they found that out. I'm so, I mean, God is working always. It's just we have to have the eyes to see it. We'll begin curbing critical tendencies by upstaging them with thanksgiving. When we start becoming critical, we just... We can find ourselves, no, I'm not. I'm going to be thankful, and I'm going to find thanksgiving in this situation. And we change the path. Seeing what you have as quickly as you see what you don't have. It's so easy to see what we don't have. You know, I always tell my kids, someone's always going to be 
better looking, more athletic, more money, more friends, more whatever you're looking for, more spiritual in your, in your view of spirituality, more smart, more intellectual, right? There's always, so you be content with what God has given you and have him open your eyes to see. Treasuring and valuing people by thanking them. Often you'll find yourself just being thankful for people. Daily thanking the Lord for his presence in your life. Seeing him work in ways that you can't see when you're grouchy and grumpy and not thankful. Noticing your lack of gratitude. So when you have a lack of gratitude and repenting of it and saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't want that all of my life. Receiving everything you have as a gift rather than as an entitlement. So when your husband brings you, you know, flowers, you're like, instead of going, about time, been asking for those for six months, right? I'm entitled to that. No, you're like, Lord, thank you that you gave me a husband that thought of me today. Or you get a, you get a, a raise instead of going, yeah, I've been waiting for that one for two years. I've been working overtime. No, you say, thank you, Lord, that you saw that my family needed a raise and that you put it on my boss's heart to give me a raise. Do you see the difference? It's so subtle, but it's so significant. And so how do we practice this out? Well, my encouragement to you is find the easiest way for you to be grateful and practice it. And it's different for everybody. Sometimes someone can read the Psalms and this gratefulness rises up in them or they can go out in nature or a certain worship song or maybe even going through photo albums and seeing things, ways God has blessed you or journals and look back at all the times the Lord has been trustworthy because guys, he is so good. If I could say anything this morning to you guys is don't buy into the lie that he's not good or that he's forgotten you. Or that he's holding out on you. Every day, end your day by thanking God. Before you go to bed, make it a habit. If you're married, make it a habit with your spouse. Okay, let's name something we're grateful for. A few weeks ago, through a hard circumstance, I looked at a friend in the face and I said, okay, we're going to name five things in this circumstance. Five things. And it was hard, but we found five. And once something's lifted, when that happens, something's lifted. Intentionally noticing God's presence and gifts throughout the day. Practicing an abundance mentality versus a lacking mentality. Because God is not a God of scarcity. He's a God of abundance. If you don't see in your life, you keep telling yourself that till you see it. Because it's true. It's not a maybe. Keeping a gratitude journal. Writing down all the ways that God has blessed you and going back and reminding yourself. I forget stuff. I mean, I really do. I forget all the times the Lord has saved me. Even this preparing for this message, I was like, Oh my goodness, God, you're so faithful. You're so faithful in circumstances that I got myself into, circumstances I didn't get myself into, but you're faithful all the time. And your goodness is so real to me and it can be so real to you guys today. The last thing is to practice, practice, practice. And this isn't like practice, practice, practice. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying make it a priority to where it becomes second nature for you, that it's your default. That when things, when you hit that wall and you think, oh my goodness, this is so painful. This is not what I had planned. That you reach down in your pocket and you pull out the key of gratitude and you say, Lord, I thank you for this. And you put it in and see what happens when you unlock it. Because he promises, he promises that when we have grateful hearts, he will meet us there every time. So I'm going to, we're going to practice a little bit. 
I'm going to ask Aaron to come on up here. We're going to do a little group ministry. Don't freak out if you're like, what's group ministry? I'm not going to make you stand up and do anything. I'm just going to lead you through a little exercise. And this is exercise. I like tools in our tool belt. So this is another tool. This may not be new for you. This may be something you do every, um, as part of your daily time with the Lord. We're just going to ask the Lord to show up. And I really, my heart today is for you to have breakthrough in this. That you really see the Lord come in the area of gratitude. And when you join with Him and you are grateful that something's unlocked, when everybody to close their eyes, I'm just going to pray for you and then I'm just going to lead you through it. I have a couple questions for you to think about. So Lord, we just thank you that you're here. I'm asking right now, Father, that this be the day of breakthrough for people. I pray, Lord, the situations, circumstances that are hard, that have been long, that have been heartbreaking. I pray you release gratitude in those areas this morning. So what I want you to do right now, I want you to think of a current hardship in your life. Something you're going through right now. If you can't think of one, ask the Lord to show you one because there's, there's one there. Once you have that in your mind, I want you to ask this question to you. How do you feel about this hardship? And I want you to tell the Lord how you feel about this hardship. You can be honest because He already knows. He already knows how you feel. But I want you to tell him how you feel. My next question is, where is there evidence of God's presence in this hardship? Ask him to show you something to be thankful for in this specific hardship. My next question is, ask him what's next. What's the next step? What is he wanting you to do with this situation? I'm going to go and have this ministry team come on up. You can stay there with your eyes closed. Now I'm the Lord to minister to you. Maybe he's going to give you more. More things to be thankful for in this hard situation. Everybody stand up. If you're on the ministry team, come on up. I love ministry time because it's really a time someone can join with you and agree with you. Breakthrough happens. I can't tell you the amount of breakthroughs I've had by just taking the step of obedience and coming and getting prayed for. But all sorts of stuff. And so Aaron's going to sing a song, the Fight My Battle song. And it is, it is, we are, our battles are fought through the attitude of gratitude and thankfulness. So if you want prayer, come on up. Lord, we just thank you what you're going to do right now in ministry time, Father, as we continue 
to have your presence here. Thank you that you fight our battles, Jesus. Thank you through prayer and thanksgiving. Something's broken. The enemy cannot stand. The enemy hates it. The enemy does not want to be in the same room and we're thankful. So Lord, we ask you to show us this tool, the power of this tool in our lives. Amen.